Thank you for checking out this episode of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. You can find the podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you just leave four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can follow me on social media over at pjordansec. You can email me at sportstalkfieldjordan at gmail.com. Welcome to Wiregrass Daily News Sports. This is your daily look at sports in the Wiregrass and the Southeast. Dothan Wolves on 96.9, the legend producer, Philip Jordan, breaks the news, covers the games, and talks to experts in the Wiregrass and Southeast. And now, Philip Jordan. What's everybody? Welcome into Wiregrass Daily News Sports. This is Talking Sports. I am your host, Philip Jordan, in studio host and producer of Dothan Wolves Football. On 96.9, the legend and Auburn writer for last word on college football. We're going to get into a couple things here today on the show. I'm going to be talking about the college football rankings that were released on Tuesday night. Talk about Alabama basketball and their victory over South Alabama. And also do something a little different here. I know we're in the southeast. Everybody's so focused on what's going on college football. We're going to talk a little National Football League here on the show today. I'll be joined by CBS Sports NFL writer. Jordan Dejani. Uh, before we bring him on, we're going to talk about, like I said, the rankings. The new rankings were released on Tuesday night in between two basketball games there on ESPN. And really at the top, only one change, and that is one and two swapped. It's been Ohio State the first two weeks of the rankings. This is week three. Georgia has jumped up to the number one spot. And look, You've got a win over Missouri, and also you got that win over Ole Miss. An Ole Miss game in dominating fashion, as we talked about on Tuesday's show. I uh, was joined by Adam Spencer, and then I also gave my thoughts on that game. So now Ohio State drops down. you got to look at it now with Penn State with their second loss, and Notre Dame with multiple losses going in now. That set of wins is now kind of doesn't look as impressive as it did versus what it did a few weeks ago, especially now with Penn State losing again. Now Michigan State's at three, Florida State's at four, Washington's still sitting there at five, and I think you really could make an argument. I would still keep Florida State at four. I think Florida State is still better than Washington, but still, looking at resume, Washington beating Oregon, Utah, Arizona, they beat some really good teams, and then you got Oregon sitting there right behind them at six. That's a very impressive win, and these two teams probably play again later on. And when I gave my rankings – on the last episode of the show, I said I would actually put Alabama over Texas despite the fact that Texas beat Alabama because I just think where these two teams are at now versus where they were at then, Alabama's a much better team. I think Texas is about the same. So that's one thing with that. I would put Alabama over Texas, but Texas is there. I wonder if it would stay that way. I don't think it would because look at Alabama. If they win the rest of their games, they would have a win over Georgia. And you would presume Georgia would be number one. You assume they're going to beat Tennessee this weekend. Of course, beat Georgia Tech. So they go in that game, in the SEC Championship game, undefeated, 12-0. Alabama knocks them off, wins out, playing against an improved Auburn team at the end of the season, too, as well. Alabama would really jump over Texas, probably jump over Oregon, and perhaps even Washington, too. But Georgia would fall down. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Texas just went out, went to be 12. Let's see where that goes. And for Oregon, you can still get in it too because you're more than likely going to play Washington again. 
and you beat them. You kind of cancel out that loss earlier in the year, which was a great game, three-point loss for them. And in the last week of the season, they do play Oregon State, who's also very, very highly ranked in these rankings. Looking at the rest of the SEC, you do have Missouri at number nine, who jumped up five spots there. Ole Miss fell down four spots. They were at number nine. They're now at 13. LSU goes up four spots. They're now at 15. Tennessee, they went down five spots. They went from 13 to 18 in the rankings. So that's how it's sitting. A lot of stuff could be moved around and changed maybe after this weekend. Not from the SEC standpoint. SEC is schedule's not that great. I don't think Alabama beating Chattanooga, however they're going to beat them, is going to even change things with the committee. So more likely going to be next week when we see some things changing in there. Jumping into Alabama basketball, the number 22 Crimson Tide defeated South Alabama on Tuesday night, 102-46. Mark Sears had 17 points in the game. He was 5 for 7 from the floor, 3 for 4 from three-point lanes. Three-point range, he also had five rebounds and five assists. Coming off the bench for Alabama, Sam Walters, he put in 16 points. He was four for four from the floor and three for three from three-point range. And looking at the overall stats in this game, South Alabama shot 14 of 60. Alabama shot 34 of 55. So South Alabama was at 23% while Alabama was at 62 from three-point range, which you know Alabama likes to do that. They were five for 29 at 17%, and Alabama was 12 for 23 at 52%. I don't care who you're playing. If Alabama's going to shoot 52% from three, they're going to be a hard team to beat. Any team's going to be hard, but definitely Alabama, just the way they like to shoot it. And they shoot it in bunches, too, as well. Rebounding, Alabama dominated there 49 to 26. Assists, 21 to 6. Another thing for Alabama, uh, they had six blocks in the game to South Alabama, only having two in the contest, and that's one thing uh, with uh, Charles Bediaco not there anymore. Kind of wonder who's going to be the rim protector at Alabama. Well, they count, they went out here and uh, had six blocks. Uh, Grant Nelson, the transfer, uh, he had three in the game. Now, Alabama would be back in action on Friday night at 6 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network when they play Ohio State. So, I know a lot of people out there don't have that channel. I know it's not the easiest sports channel to get, but if you have it, check out Alabama over there. And then Auburn, they will be playing on Thursday night. They'll be playing Notre Dame at 8 o'clock over on ESPN2. Both teams are 1-1 one one in that one. Look, Auburn beat Southeast Louisiana on Friday night, bouncing back from that loss against Baylor last week where they pretty much led most of the way. They controlled most of the game until the final three and a half minutes of the game. So this will be another good test for Auburn, playing a team out of the ACC in Notre Dame. Big win, a resume-building win here for Auburn. So we'll see what happens there. Like I said, Alabama will be playing on Friday night against Ohio State. So uh, make sure to go and check that out. And uh, as we kind of slowly more get out of football season, we'll have more SEC basketball related things. It'll be more than just Alabama, Auburn. We'll be jumping into some other teams as well. Just we are still full board into football season right now. So all right, we're going to take a quick minute and a half break. But then when we return, I'll be joined by CBS Sports NFL writer Jordan Dejani. Want a chance to see the Iron Bowl in person? Enter for your chance to win two tickets to the Iron Bowl on Saturday, November 25th. To enter, simply complete the form at 969thelegend.com. The winner will be announced on Friday, November 17th. 
96.9, the legend is your connection to classic country legends. But Digio Strategies has other options, too. News Talk 103.9 is your source for America's top news and entertainment shows, like Rick and Bubba in the morning, Glenn Beck from 9 till 11 a.m., and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, middays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Sean Hannity, Lars Larson, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, and others fill your day with the latest news and views from America's top conservative voices. America at Night and Coast to Coast AM keep you company and connected throughout the night. Plus, Fox News, the Alabama Radio Network, and Wiregrass Daily News keep you informed with national, international, state, and local news. And with more musical choices like all the hits, 106.7 KMX, Today's Country, 95.5 WTVY, and Music 107.7. Digio Strategies gives you more choices and more variety. Listen on air, online, and on our apps. 96.9 The Legend is just the beginning. Everybody joining me on today's show is Jordan Najani. He is a NFL writer over at CBS Sports. And uh, Jordan, as always, we've done this a few times in the past, but I always appreciate you coming on to talk all things NFL. Hey, hey, what's going on? Appreciate you having me on the podcast. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I always enjoy talking NFL with you. We always have a good time when we've done this in the past. And, uh, wow, we're, we're in week 10. It doesn't feel like we should be this far into the season. Feel like football season altogether is flying by high school, college, and pro. But coming out of week 10, and it was kind of a vague and a really just a, a wide-ranging ranging question, but uh, just what stood out to you the most coming out of week 10? Oh man, yeah. I mean, we could start anywhere. I mean, there was a Thursday Thursday night catastrophe between the Carolina Panthers and Chicago Bears that was interesting for a couple different reasons. Uh, we watched Bill Belichick lose another game, ten to six, to the Indianapolis Colts out in Germany. The Cleveland Browns had a historic comeback against the Baltimore Ravens, who had started to become a lot of people's Super Bowl pick, but they fall to the Cleveland Browns in Baltimore, which was pretty surprising. Uh, Josh Dobbs continues his dominance uh, for the Minnesota Vikings following his acquisition at the trade deadline. Uh, and then we saw a pretty shocking upset, in my opinion, uh, the Denver Broncos upsetting Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills on Monday night football. The Bills obviously had not been very good this season, but Buffalo had been very nice to them. I think they were previously undefeated at home. Um, they, that was In front of their home fans is where their offense was really clicking, but Last night, uh, you could not say that at all. And, in fact, Ken Dorsey, their offensive coordinator, now finds himself without a job. I think he's probably more a little bit of a scapegoat for Buffalo's overall struggles. But the bottom line is that the Buffalo Bills felt like they needed to make a change. They've been very disappointing this season. And we'll see if this is something that uh, can spark this offense and team as a whole as we progress through the second half of the regular season. Yeah, it was interesting weekend. You know, that was obviously one of the things Denver Buffalo. That was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Just Ed, you talked about the Ken Dorsey firing. I mean, I guess it's not it's his fault uh, when uh, Josh Allen wants to be a turnover machine and the total offense. I mean, turnovers left and right. Uh, this team at five and five too. I mean, they're looking out on the outside, looking in right now. When you want to look at where they would be playoffs and all that stuff, when you watch this team play. What's, what's the issues with this Buffalo team? Because they're super talented. We know how good Josh Allen is. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. They should be better than 5-5. Five and five. Just what's your assessment of this team this year? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a couple of things. Uh, I'll give you three things, I guess. I mean, one is Josh Allen, as you mentioned, has been a turnover machine. He leads the NFL with 14 giveaways through 10 games, which obviously is an unacceptable 
And it's interesting because elite quarterbacks, you don't usually look at those guys as turnover machines because if you're a turnover machine, we can't really put you in that conversation of being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, Josh Allen's very athletic, and he's a dual-threat weapon. Speaking of dual-threat weapons, I feel like he needs to run the ball a lot more. I think that's kind of the X factor for Buffalo's offense. But Josh Allen calming down with the turnovers, uh, even more specifically last night, I feel like if he – didn't turn the ball over multiple times, the Buffalo Bills would have ended up victorious in that matchup. Number two, I think the more obvious thing is Buffalo's defense has not been that great, and I would chalk up that to injuries. I mean, Matt Milano went down with an injury that is feared to be season-ending. Daquan Jones on the defensive line, the same exact thing. Um, Tredavious White in the secondary. I think he tore his Achilles against the Miami Dolphins earlier this year. He's obviously done for the year. Those are three pivotal players at three different levels on your defense, which is going to directly affect the production that unit is going to have. And Buffalo over the past couple of seasons, of course, has had one of the more feared defenses in the NFL. And without some of those playmakers, they're just not the same unit. But I will point out that Rajul Douglas, the cornerback they acquired from the Green Bay Packers at the trade deadline, he's kind of feisty, quietly was having one of the better seasons for any cornerback in the National Football League. And you saw him pop a lot on the screen last night against the Denver Broncos. Maybe he's someone that can right the ship just a little bit for the Buffalo Bills. But again, he's just one player. But that shores up the secondary just a little bit. Finally, number three, uh, where's Stephon Dix? Just three catches for 34 yards against the Broncos last night. Gabe Davis was wide receiver number one. Uh, he had six targets, two catches for 56 yards, uh, had a bad drop that led directly to an interception. Stephon Diggs, it should go without being said, right? I mean, he should be uh, the number one guy on your offense, the guy that is getting double-digit targets that you're game-planning around. May, uh, you know, the more I talk about it, maybe that's why Ken Dorsey was kind of let go because that's somebody who has to be um, uh, weapon number one, you know, in your offense. And that just hasn't been the fact or it hasn't it wasn't the um it wasn't something that happened last night. I think his uh, overall season stats are very good through the first nine weeks or so, but last night he did not get his touches, he did not get his looks, and Buffalo Bills, they ended up with a two point loss to a team they definitely should have beaten. Yeah, like I said, only three catches for thirty four yards. I mean in, in that moment when you know, these big games like this or, or close games like this, you know, Monday Night Football, you expect that guy to step up and be, Okay, where are you at? And you talk about Russell Douglas just speaking as a Packers fan here, uh, I know how good he is, and uh, I was not happy when <laughs> the Packers traded him. But, uh, yeah, really, really good player there. Um, McDermott, um, how much pressure do you think is on him? I wouldn't put him in my top five you know, head coach hot seat rankings, if you will, but I think he's absolutely under a lot of pressure. I mean, this Bills team is 500, and they will look to be preseason a Super Bowl contender. Uh, you look at what happened last year. The Buffalo Bills were the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl last year, and, and they got the doors blown off them in snowy Buffalo by Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals in the postseason. That's just another um, disappointing early exit for the Bills in the playoffs. And now all of a sudden, here in 2023, uh, Vegas says it's uh, it's likely that Buffalo misses the playoffs. So, yeah, I think Sean McDermott is under a lot of pressure, especially when you consider the fact that what happened on that last play of the game last night mm-hmm. with the field goal exchange where 13 or 12 players were on the field for that last play, Will Lutz misses the kick and they have to redo it because they had too many players on defense. I mean, that is a coaching mistake. That is a critical error. That directly led to you having a loss 
um, on the season. So, yeah, I think McDermott is under a ton of pressure uh, for multiple reasons. Yeah, that's something at this level should not happen. In that moment, at this level, that's just 12 players on the field. That just should not happen, um, especially in that moment. You know, in the Broncos, I mean, this is a team, look, I had the one and four start. Everybody had their jokes, had fun with them when the Dolphins put 70 on them. But defensively, this team has gotten much better. Uh, last couple of games, only giving up 67 points. They've got 16 take, uh, takeaways over the last five. Of course, they had four last night. Uh, three straight wins, of course, uh, their last game before the off week. They dominated defensively against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, how are you seeing this team progressing as the season go, going on in year one under Sean Payton? Uh, I think it's pretty shocking. I mean, I think everybody left them for dead through their early portions of the regular season. I mean, Russell Wilson was okay through the early portion of the season, but he would fall apart in the second half. That directly led to losses against the Raiders, uh, against the Commanders in Week 2 as well. They barely got by the Chicago Bears when Russell Wilson actually turned it on in the second half. It was kind of topsy-turvy in that matchup um, in early October. But, man, talk about this team as a whole making a turnaround. I mean, Russell Wilson, I think, is ranked third in the NFL in touchdown passes. Javante Williams has been a force on the ground. We saw what Cortland Sutton can do at the wide receiver position last night against Buffalo. But you bring up the defensive side of the ball, and I think that's where we've seen the most drastic change. I mean, as you mentioned, they had what was really almost historically the worst defensive performance in National Football League history against the Miami Dolphins earlier in the year. Everyone was crying for Vance Joseph to lose his job. But this unit has absolutely turned around, turned it around. And I would look back directly to that Kansas City Chiefs matchup you alluded to back on October 12th, where um, they held the Chiefs to 19 points, but the offense couldn't help, couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. Russell Wilson only scored eight points, but it was a pretty close matchup. Um, and you know, I, I don't know what it what the reason is for this turnaround. I know that Patrick Sertain is one of the best in the game. I feel like they're getting some pressure with their front four as well. But I think you have to credit Vance Joseph just for the overall job he's done and getting this team back where they needed to be defensively. And I know that touchdown catch last night by Cortland Sutton was amazing. I mean, because when you watch it live, it as it was happening, like he didn't catch that. But then you see the replay, and obviously he did, and they ruled it a touchdown. I mean – Good, th- great throw about Russell Wilson. Put it only where he could catch it, but also great job by him, just you know hauling that one in. Yeah, that was the most improbable touchdown catch of the season, and sure enough, that's exactly what Next Gen Stats confirmed for us on social media shortly after the fact. I mean, like you say, credit Russell Wilson for throwing an accurate prayer is the way I would describe <laughs> it to the left corner, left corner of the end zone, and then Cortland Sutton was just absurd next-level concentration to not only keep his toes and feet in bounds, but drag that drag that back foot and also secure possession as well. That could be the catch of the season here in 2023. You know, moving on you know, from what happened on Sunday, and, uh, Josh Dobbs, you brought him up when I asked you about the takeaways. Just, I mean, this guy's barely been with this team, and he, he looks like he's been there like – several years running the offense the way he's playing running and throwing uh had a good day too a connection with uh tj hawkinson on on sunday with beating the saints holding on for that victory but uh just with josh dobbs i mean w- when you see him play uh what's standing out the most to you man just absurd uh he's the first player in nfl history with a passing touchdown a rushing touchdown in multiple games for multiple teams in a season the fourth player in NFL history with a win, passing touchdown, rushing touchdown in each of his first two games with the franchise. I mean, you're an SEC football guy, so you watch plenty of Josh Dobbs when he was at the University of Tennessee. 
I always thought that he his best weapon was his legs. He was a playmaker running the football. I thought that as a passer, maybe he was just a little bit inconsistent. I didn't really view him as an NFL quarterback. And sure enough, he kind of bounced around the league just a little bit. But the football he's playing right now is very clearly the best football he's ever played in his football career. And you can chalk it up to a couple different reasons. I mean, one, I think he has the tools necessary to be a good quarterback. He has a decent enough arm. As I mentioned, he's a playmaker with his legs. But the other X factor for him is that, and I'm sure Tennessee fans are sick about hearing this, but yes, he's a rocket scientist, right? He's a very smart guy. And that (laughs) comes into play when it comes to learning a new offense on the fly, when it comes to establishing chemistry, when it comes to the mental side of quarterbacking, which is the most important part of quarterbacking at this level. And, I mean, you just go back to what he did against the Atlanta Falcons. He was acquired by the Vikings just a couple days earlier when the rookie Jaron Hall went out with a concussion late in the first quarter. Here comes a quarterback who doesn't know the names of his teammates. He certainly doesn't know the playbook. He doesn't know his offensive linemen or the centers with the cadences, with the snap counts. And what he was able to do in terms of leading a game-winning drive and pulling off a victory from behind – that's that's absolutely incredible. And you go back and listen to the stories coming out of that week where in the NFL, you know, your headset turns off when there's 15 seconds left on the play clock. So Kevin O'Connell, the head coach, is in Josh Dobbs' ear, not giving him the play call. He's literally describing, okay, you got an out route on your left, you got a fly on your right, you got all this happening with protection, and he's got a couple seconds to, to say all this information before the helmet communication gets cut off and Josh Dobbs is out there on his own on an island. That was seriously one of the craziest stories probably to come out of this entire NFL season. But that also speaks to just the ability that Josh Dobbs has. And it's really cool that he's getting this opportunity to show what he's got as a legitimate starter to beat the New Orleans Saints um, at home in his first full week with a new team. That's pretty impressive because I think the Saints have a top 10 defense, plenty of weapons on offense. So the fact that the Vikings were able to come out with Josh Dobbs, who made several plays with his legs in that win, um, and jump out to an early lead, were able to hang on. It's absolutely incredible. I know I'm a little biased since I went to the University of Tennessee, but I think Josh Dobbs is one of the biggest storylines of the 2023 season thus far. Yeah, it's it's just awesome to see. And and you root for it because – He's a good guy. I mean, I mean, just and everything about him just reads. You know, you need to root for this guy uh, and what he's doing. So uh, you mentioned Saints. I want to mention it real quick. This is a, you mentioned their defense, all the weapons they have. This team's five and five. Um, what's the problem with Saints? I, you know, Derek Carr gets hurt in this game and he gets knocked out. It was twenty-seven to three. And then Jameis Winston comes in. They come back, but then Jameis Winston's going to Jameis Winston with interceptions. But uh, what do you see as the issues with the Saints and why they're at five and five and not better than this? Because the talent on the, the the roster and the talent speaks that they should be better than that. Right, that, that's absolutely correct. And as I mentioned, Saints have a top ten defense, but I have the stats up right in front of me right now. They are literally number ten. They are barely a top ten defense, and I think that's <laughs> notable because. Over the past couple of years, the Saints have been a top five, top six defense. I think overall the defense has not performed as well as they have in years past, and that's certainly taking a toll on the team as a whole. But I would point more to the inconsistencies on offense. I mean, you go back a couple of weeks ago, seeing Derek Carr uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars at home on Thursday night and how tough of a game that was offensively for the Saints. They've been inconsistent on that side of the ball. And it was only until Jameis Winston came in against Minnesota that we saw Chris Olave make a couple of big catches, including that improbable touchdown catch in the back of the end zone. 
Um, we saw more downfield passing with Jameis Winston because that's really his skill set. I think there's been plenty of inconsistencies on the offensive side of the ball for the Saints. I feel like Derek Carr is not exactly the most popular man in New Orleans right now. Uh, I'm sure the fan base was expecting a little bit more out of him. But, yeah, to your point, I think I would agree that New Orleans has underperformed up to this point in the season. And to lose to the Vikings, even though they were in Minnesota, uh, to a quarterback who is just in it, completed his first full week with his new franchise, that's probably something that should not happen. Um, and like you said, uh, the New Orleans has enough talent with Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Taysom Hill um, to be better uh, than what they've shown so far. Yeah, I guess, uh, do they want to win the South? Does anybody want to win the, the South? I guess that's the division we're going to talk about like that this year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the NFC South. Talk about a wide-open division. And, I mean, I was kind of high on the Atlanta Falcons coming in. You know, I think through week eight or so, week seven, they had the number three overall defense in terms of total yards surrendered per game. But then Will Levis for the Tennessee Titans shows up and completely dices them up to bits. And it's been tough sledding ever since. I mean, losing to the Vikings, and then they had that ugly game against uh, the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray's return to the lineup. Uh, Arthur Smith, in my opinion, probably should be on the hot seat. I know there's been a recent report indicating that he's at least going to be able to finish this year. But, I mean, there's so much to complain about with the Falcons. I mean, from the uncertainty at the quarterback position to the underutilization of B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, other players like that, uh, the Falcons are a team that has underperformed in my mind as well. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, trust me, where I'm at, we have a lot of, in the area I'm at, we have a lot of Falcons, Saints, and Titans fans. So a lot of frustration with with the NFL fans. Happy Dolphin fans, but uh, the the other teams, they kind of, yeah, some aggravation. Uh, 49ers and Jaguars, this is a team everybody want to go check out over at CBS Sports. Uh, Jordan has a grade on this, on this game here we're going to talk about. I guess the rumors of the demise of the San Francisco 49ers were greatly exaggerated. Greatly exaggerated, greatly exaggerated. And I'm, I'm very happy to uh, announce that I was able to see through the smoke. I made the San Francisco 49ers minus three a best bet over at CBSSports.com against the Jaguars. Now, I mean, I think the Jaguars are a solid team, right? You can make the argument that they're the best in the AFC South, but I won't turn away an argument for the surging Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. But look at who the Jaguars beat, right? They entered this past Sunday on the longest active win streak in the NFL. But who did they beat, right? They beat the Atlanta Falcons in London. That was a gross game. No one cares about the Falcons. They've underperformed, like I said. They beat the Buffalo Bills, who were clearly jet-lagged and also suffered multiple injuries on the defensive side in London on the next week. Then they beat the Indianapolis Colts. Then they beat the New Orleans Saints in that very poor offensive performance I pointed to a couple minutes ago. Then they go to Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers. That's not exactly a, a, a tall task. Um, and then they come back home, and this was their chance to – Get the naysayers on board, right? Record that statement victory that we're going to prove that the Jaguars were not only the best team in the division, but a legitimate contender in the AFC. And what do they do? They fall flat on their faces. It was a disaster on both sides of the ball. The defense allowed 10 points quickly right out of the gate that basically ended the game. The offense couldn't get up running at all. Even when they orchestrated some long drives to get the ball down the field, they went 0 for 2 in the red zone, including one fumble by Christian Kirk on the six-yard line that was returned for a touchdown. Of course, they got nullified due to a penalty, but it was a turnover nonetheless. It was the worst home loss of Trevor Lawrence's NFL career at home, 31 points. So 
I think the Jaguars are a solid team, but I don't, I can't view this team as a legitimate contender just yet. I have too many questions, but as for the 49ers, I think what we learned about this team is that health is going to be paramount, right? And you can make that argument about any NFL team, any contender. I get it. But man, when San Francisco has Trent Williams in the lineup, Christian McCaffrey fully healthy after that oblique scare, Debo Samuel back in the lineup, uh, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle catching three passes for 116 yards. When all these players are in the lineup and they're all healthy, the 49ers are arguably the best team in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, they took their lumps. You're not going to win every single game in the NFL. We have to keep in mind that Brock Purdy is still a young quarterback who is playing what is basically technically still his rookie season, if you will. I still think the 49ers are legitimate contenders, and they showed what they're capable of in Jacksonville this past Sunday. You know, and finally, before I let you go, just, you know, going into this week, uh, I just kind of get your thoughts. Just what's the games you think people should be paying attention to this week in NFL? No, we we kind of got a good bookend. We got the Bengals and the Ravens on Thursday night, both teams coming off losses, and then we end the week on Monday Night Football uh, with the Chiefs and the Eagles Super Bowl rematch. So, just any games sticking out to you for this weekend? Yeah, I mean the AFC North matchups are going to be absolutely must-watch games, in my opinion. The Cincinnati Bengals versus the Baltimore Ravens. The Bengals reportedly will not have T. Higgins back in the lineup. He's going to miss another game due to, I think it's a hamstring injury. But the Baltimore Ravens are staying at home, and they're obviously angry after blowing that lead to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so that's going to be a fun game to watch on Thursday night. But uh, I'm, I'm just equally as interested in uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at Cleveland Browns. If you recall, the, the Steelers, um, they got a win over the Browns earlier this season in Pittsburgh. So are, are the Browns going to roll to another victory or are the Steelers going to show that they are one of the more feisty teams in the NFL? That's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, in terms of some other matchups, uh, I, I still find myself really interested in the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. As you recall, uh, the Buffalo Bills took a loss to the Jets uh, in week one where Aaron Rodgers suffered that torn Achilles. The Jets' offense has been, has been terrible, right? They haven't scored touchdowns in a couple weeks, I think. And then the Buffalo Bills, of course, we, we've already talked about them during the course of this interview. They're in Buffalo, so they'll look for a bounce back there. And then, as you mentioned, I, I think the, the best matchup of the week has to be on Monday Night Football, the Super Bowl rematch. These are arguably the two best teams in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles at the Kansas City Chiefs. One thing to keep an eye on is the Philadelphia Eagles on the road, right? The Eagles have been great at home, but away from Philly, in arguably the most hostile environment you can play in in the NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead, this is going to be a great litmus test for both teams, so I can't wait to watch it. I have a quick question for you about that game, then we'll close up. Which Swift will have the bigger game, DeAndre Swift or Taylor Swift? <laughs> Well, if Taylor Swift is in the building, I think I'm going to have to lean towards her because she's kind of given this team superpowers, right? I think they're yeah. undefeated or they have one loss whenever she's in the building. So that is absolutely going to be something to watch. In fact, I need to work the phones and figure out if she's going to be in attendance because that's exactly where my money's going to go. All right. Yeah, I had to ask that question just as soon as we got in that. But anyways, it's been a lot of fun, Jordan. It's always fun talking all things NFL with you. If the uh, listeners and viewers want to check it out, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on X slash Twitter slash whatever it's called now at Jordan DeJani, uh, J-O-R-D-A-N-D-A-J-A-N-I. Um, I'm always pumping out great material over at CBSSports.com, as are all my colleagues 24-7, it seems like. I will be publishing um, a pretty good interview with uh, new Titans quarterback Will Levis 
on Wednesday, November 15th. Uh, so that should be out in the morning. That should be a fun read. We just kind of went over some of the lessons that he's learned through his first three NFL career starts and talked about a, a different amount of stuff, whether it's head coach Mike Vrabel, whether it's things he's looking to improve upon. So pretty good interview with Will Levis uh, coming in the form of a long-form article on CBSSports.com Wednesday, November 15th. All right, everybody, make sure to go check out that article over at cbssports.com. And, Jordan, once again, I appreciate the time, and I look forward to doing some, some time down the road. Anytime. Appreciate you, my man. All right, once again, thanks to Jordan Dejani for coming on the show. On previous podcasts, he was one I reached out to from time to time to come on and talk uh, the National Football League. And I'm uh, glad to have him on here to uh, talk a whole bunch of stuff there. That's going to be a big matchup on Monday night uh, next week with the Chiefs and the Eagles. And Thursday night's going to be fun, too, as well. So we get past the college football stuff on Saturday. You got some really big NFL stuff to watch this weekend as well. And I know Alabama fans are going to be checking in what's going to go on with Jalen Hurts. And, you know, I'm sure there's some people out there want to hope and see Taylor Swift be on the screen. I'm not really a fan of that. I kind of was hoping had a weekend away from her this past week uh, on my TV. I respect her as a musician, but at the same time, uh feel like they deviate the football into her and i just that's just not my thing you know we was talking about that jacksonville san francisco game and i was looking forward to that game i thought okay this is a big game because like you said for jacksonville this would have been a game that could prove okay where are they are they a super bowl contending team or are they just hey they're a good team could possibly win a division but they better watch out the houston texans are coming on strong they're five and four cj stroud is not only the guy that should be front runner for rookie of the year. This is the guy we should start mentioning for MVP just the way he's running the offense. He's running that Houston Texas offense like a guy that's been playing in the league for several years. Just keep an eye on that. But Jacksonville Jaguars, here are their possessions. This is how they all ended on Sunday against the 49ers, that 34-3 loss. Punt, this is the first half. Punt, 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 fumble, field goal. And then the second half, interception, fumble, interception, Punt, punt. It was a terrible performance by Jacksonville. And uh, that was something I didn't point out in my conversation there uh, with with Jordan. So and I would probably say the favorites right now in the NFL, on the AFC side of things, I would look at it as Kansas City, obviously. I don't see anybody in the South. Like I said, Jacksonville's are a good team, but they're not a Super Bowl contending team. Uh, nobody in that division. Then we look at the North and Jordan talked about it. The North is really good right now because you've got Baltimore. And then you're also looking at Cincinnati because you know what Joe Burrow said. He says as long as he's in the league, they have a championship window there at Cincinnati. I don't think Cleveland's a Super Bowl team, contending team. I don't think Pittsburgh is either. The Dolphins, we shall see. Look, they, they don't have a good record against good teams. When they play the bad teams, they're really good. But when they play really good teams like the Eagles – like the Chiefs, they lost that one twenty-one to fourteen, and then early in the year when they played Buffalo, when Buffalo was kind of riding high, they did not play well there. But Buffalo's five and five now, and let's see what they can get it going. Because right now I think they'd be like nine or tenth in the AFC, so they're not even playoff hunt. In the NFC, obviously it's the Philadelphia Eagles, the Cowboys. After this past week, had a really really good performance, and I'm glad Dak Prescott did what he did, five touchdowns in the game. All the yardage he threw for really helped me out in my fantasy league team because I run a league where it's two quarterbacks. You start two quarterbacks. Well, my second quarterback that I normally start is Tua. I forgot Miami was even off. I didn't check my lineup. 
horrible fantasy league team owner. I know. So I was like, oh, well, I'm going to lose here because I'm going to play on quarterback. Well, Dak Prescott just went off. So gave me a victory in fantasy football over the weekend. But anyways, I'm not too sure about Dallas. I still wonder if Dallas is just a team, hey, they'll get to the second round and that'll be kind of about it. It's kind of what they've been. They, they're good enough to get to the playoffs and get to the second round. They're talented enough. But can they get over the hump and get at least to the NFC Championship game? I just don't know. Uh, the Lions, they had a thrilling victory over the, the Chargers. Uh, so I put them up there. Like I said, Minnesota's playing really well but at the same time. Do we think they're a Super Bowl team with Josh Dobbs? Probably not. There's not really one in the NFC South. I mean, the Saints have the talent to be it, but they're just not putting it together. I just wonder if a, a change of head coach might be coming if this team does not meet some kind of expectations. And then you look over at the NFC West, same thing. It's Geno Smith in Seattle. Do we think he's a guy that's going to lead them to to the promised land? I don't feel that way. Like once they're a really good team, but are they Super Bowl? But then you got the 49ers. When they're healthy, when they're right, they're one of the best teams in the league. So right now I really see the NFC as a two-team race between the Eagles and the 49ers, and maybe the Cowboys can get mixed in there along with the Lions. They kind of come in that next tier teams in the NFC. And the AFC, my contenders are the Ravens, the Bengals, the Chiefs. That's the three teams I think win Super Bowl there. And I got Miami kind of below that level of them there in that division. And the Chargers are good enough too. They're another team that's talented enough. I think the head coach holds them back. So we'll see how all that shakes out. And that's going to be it for today's podcast. Remember, we'll be back on Friday. Uh, and I'll be joined by Matt Lowe for another Football Friday. Uh, next week, I don't really know how we're going to do that schedule for that next week because we usually, we've been recording that last few weeks on Thursdays. But we're probably going to, we are going to record that next Wednesday because of Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday. So definitely won't have as many shows next week. We may only have two or three shows during the week. I don't know. We'll see. We'll just see how the week goes. Just kind of still trying to figure out some stuff. Iron Bowl previews and then how, am I going to do another episode on or maybe another rivalry matchup? We want to preview uh, because we do have the Florida, Florida State game coming up too as well. Um, we'll see. We'll just kind of gauge it, and you know we're we're in the midweek right now, so I'm trying to figure out the guest thing uh, for next week. But anyways, for but you do know this Friday, me and Matt Lowe, we will preview the football weekend. Anyways, guys, I hope you have a great day. Hope you have a great next couple of days. Won't be doing a show on Thursday. I just didn't get a guest. Things didn't work out in the lineup for that. But uh, we'll be back. We'll be back on Friday with Matt Lowe, and that should be fun. But I hope everybody has a great rest of the day whenever you are listening to this show and i'll talk to you on friday on the football friday episode with matt Lowe. hope everybody has a great day thank you for tuning in to today's wiregrass daily news sports make sure to tune back in tomorrow for more of the sports you love in the wiregrass Check out the podcast at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Continue the conversation and connect with Philip on social media at PJordanSEC. 